0: I've been wanting to preach this sermon ever since last week when I preached the last one because I thought, you know, this sermon is not finished. This sermon is not finished. The theme was do the right thing. And we want to do the right thing. It's important to do the right thing, but sometimes sometimes the problem we feel is not so much the difficulty in doing the right thing, but in figuring out what the right thing is. In fact, Lyndon Johnson said something to that effect. You know, Lyndon Johnson was a man, well, he was a giant of a man, giant in virtues, and, well, he had his vices. And he did some incredible things. Think about how he advanced civil rights. Um, Then there was the great society, and people debate whether that was a good move or not. He certainly intended it to be a good thing. And then we think about the Vietnam War. Whenever you think of Johnson, you think about the Vietnam War and the disaster of that war. Lyndon Johnson said, the problem is not doing the right thing. Knowing what the right thing is, that's the challenge. Now, I don't think that's quite right because actually doing the right thing sometimes is a problem. We face temptations, we're pressured in various ways, and it's not always easy to do the right thing, and that's what I talked about last week. But he is right when he says, figuring out the right thing to do is not that simple. We've all experienced that. You know, whenever I think of that topic, I think about me as a young father. I and mean, here I am, along with my young wife, Linda, having to raise three children, three daughters, there is no more important task for anyone than rearing their children. And so here we have three daughters, and Linda and I talked about it at the time, struggled with it at the time. We have three daughters, and we're committed to raising them well. We want to love them well, but we have absolutely no experience I mean, we've got this really important job with no experience. There were times I felt like like as if Jerry Jones gave me a call to his office. And he said, Paul, you know we need a new coach. Here's the playbook. Here's the keys to the locker room. Go win me some games. Now, what are the chances of me winning any games? I don't know anything about coaching a football team. Well, actually, actually, I do. Every time I watch a game, I pretty much know everything. Oh, those coaches, if they could just call the right plays. But, you know, think about how complicated it is to actually lead a football team. You know, you've got to get your personnel in place. You've got to get the players in place. You've got to get the coaches in place. They've all got to be there, but they've also got to be in the right positions. You've got to scheme everything out. You've got to keep morale up. You've got to discipline those who get out of line. You've got to encourage those who are a little down. I mean, you've got a thousand things to attend to. It is complicated. It's not easy, and half the time, I imagine... A coach and a team like that, they don't know what they need to do. They have to really think about it. And isn't that the way life is like? When you're a parent, that's how you feel with all the problems that you have raising children. You think, how am I supposed to to raise them? They have a friend and it's not quite a good influence, but then you want your children to, to reach out to people and share Christ. But on the other hand, you don't want them to be badly influenced. And so you feel yourself tugged in two different directions. But it's not just those who are raising children. I think about, think about, think about an attorney trying to set up a practice or a physician doing the same. All that is involved in that. Someone who's a retail manager and you've got all the personnel decisions, you have to deal with clients, you've got to meet, you know, you've you've got to worry about the cost of goods sold, you've got to meet your payroll. There are all sorts of things. We go on and on. Every area of life is complicated. So it's like, I'm ready, Lord. I'll do the right thing. But could you please tell me what the right thing is? Well, as a matter of fact, it can be hard to know what the right thing is, but it's not impossible. God doesn't just leave us in a lurch. We're not just a at sea with no guidance at all. There's a key word in this, and that word is wisdom. I want to read what Paul says in Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 17. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. That's interesting. He says, I want you to know what the Lord's will is. Don't be foolish. That's the opposite of knowing the Lord's will, being foolish. He doesn't say being ignorant. Though foolishness is a kind of ignorance, but it's not simply a lack of information. It's a twist in our thinking and our values. He says, I want you to know what the Lord's will is, and that means you need wisdom. That's the word. We need wisdom to look at the complicated issues that we face and discern the right way. There's no rule book that tells us in many instances, what we're supposed to do. In fact, in most instances, there's no simple rule book. You have to make a judgment call. You're having to deal with trade-offs. It's not easy, but Paul says you need wisdom. And in fact, in these verses, he's essentially saying you need to live intentionally. Don't be unwise, but wise, making the most of every opportunity. You need to intentionally, in wisdom, be setting your course. Why is that? Because the days are evil. That sounds a little dark. And I don't think Paul means to be dark as if, as if all of life is, is conducted in this, this environment of evil. I think he's talking about a certain current in the world. When Linda and I lived by the Gulf Coast, there were some friends that allowed us to use their home on Ono Island. Ono Island's a, a barrier island in, um, in, in the uh, Gulf of Mexico. I almost forgot the name of the Gulf of Mexico. In the Gulf of Mexico, right off the coast of Alabama, And just behind this house, you have the Bayou of St. John, which sounds like it's a little creek, but it's not a creek. It's like a river that's there. And it is beautiful. And the house was was fitted out with all sorts of recreational equipment, including paddle boats and, you know, things like that. So we would get out on the paddle boats into this bayou slash river And it was so fun. The water was wide open the sky was clear. We enjoyed it so much. But if you weren't careful, the quiet, unnoticed current would take you further and further east. You wouldn't even be thinking about it. It seemed as if you were sitting still, but then you would look up and you realize you had gone way down this river. And, and you, you're thinking, how? i got to get back. i got to get back to my territory. And you start paddling hard against the current. Well, that, I think, is what Paul is saying. The days are evil. It doesn't mean everything is dark and gloomy. It means that there is a current that is at work in the world. And if you just live unwisely, unintentionally, and you simply allow yourself to go with the flow, you're not going to end up doing God's will. So we need wisdom and we need to live intentionally in that wisdom and so that we know the Lord's will and we're able to carry it out. Now... What that involves first is seeking wisdom, and the Bible's pretty clear about where we can find wisdom. There's a familiar passage. It's always read by preachers in this context, and I want to turn to it again, but I want to call your attention to something that is often missed. It's a passage in James chapter 1 where we're told what to do if we need wisdom. So in James 1, verses 5 through 8, listen to what he says. If any of you lacks wisdom... You should ask God. In other words, pray. You should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. So he says, you need to pray. Ask God for wisdom and God's going to give it to you. He's not going to nitpick you and find faults with you. God's going to give you the wisdom you need. But you have to pray in faith. What's the opposite of faith in this passage? It's instability and double-mindedness. James is not saying you have to rev yourself up into thinking, okay, I'm going to pray for wisdom. God's going to give me wisdom. God's going to give me wisdom. And and have this positive thinking experience as you pray. That's not what he's talking about. What he's saying is you have to pray in the kind of faith that is settled on doing God's will. See, some people are double-minded. And they want to know what God would have them to do, but they're also holding out the option that if they don't really like it, they can find another source of help. They're not all in. And because they're not all in, they're not really praying with faith. They're unstable. They're going this way. They're going that. They're just looking to it for a solution that suits them. What James is saying is if you want God to answer your prayer when you ask for wisdom, you need, to, you need to come with, God, I am all in. Whatever you say, whatever you show me to do, I'm willing to do it, even if it's hard, even if it costs me, I'll do it. See, if we pray like that, then God will give us wisdom, the wisdom that we need in order to make the decisions that we need to make. do. Now, implied in all that, implied, is a commitment to observe what the Scriptures teach. It's never God's will for us to go against the teaching of the Scriptures. So if I'm asking God for wisdom, I am also at the same time pouring into the scriptures to see if there's light to guide me there. It's the scripture that gives me wisdom. In fact, the psalmist in Psalm 119 says, I am wiser than all my my enemies because I meditate on your law or on Torah, your instruction. So we can be wise as we seek God and ask him for wisdom and listen to God, especially by, by turning to the scriptures. But again, it all depends on being all in. We can't play games with God and say, "Oh God, please show me what to do," while we're really thinking, "I'm going to do whatever I need to do." That's not going to work. And then we ask God, but we also need to ask help from other people. So in Proverbs 20:18, "Plans are established by seeking advice, so if you wage war, obtain counsel or guidance." If you're going to go into battle, if you've got a problem, then why don't you talk with someone who could actually give you some insight? You don't go talking with anyone, and you certainly don't talk with those who are only going to tell you what you want to hear. You go and you seek guidance from people who have wisdom themselves, and sometimes specialist knowledge. And you may go to more than one as you keep talking with people, And, you know, how do you see this? What, what do you think the Lord would have me do? It's amazing how that clarifies things. It's good to talk with someone who knows you, knows your situation firsthand if you can. It's good to talk to experts. It's good to talk with people who you know are spiritual. I don't mean in some ethereal sense. <laughs> I mean spiritual, like there's solid people who live by the word of God you seek counsel. And as you do that and you pray for God's wisdom, I promise you, it's happened in my life time and again, it's like insight begins to emerge. You begin to have a clarity about what you need to do. I'm almost tempted to say, you get a peace about what to do, but that's not quite right. You know how some people say that that you shouldn't do anything unless you have a peace about it? Yes, but not quite. Not quite. Because see, here's the thing. Sometimes you might not have a peace about doing God's will just because you know it's going to involve conflict and you don't feel real peaceful about that. Maybe it's a situation where you're having to deal with something that is just unpleasant from every angle or painful from every angle. And there's no easy way out. Doing God's will is not going to make it easy. And so you feel a little unnerved by what you're facing. It might even be that you're, you're the sort that you're always second guessing yourself. And so, to have a peace, well, you're not sure you have peace because I could be wrong. There are lots of reasons why you might not feel totally peaceful. Here's what I would say. As you pray and you seek counsel and you try to understand how God wants you to deal with this situation, you should wait until there's a sense that you you know what the wise thing to do is. And you should hope for some peace. But if you still feel uneasy, keep praying, keep reflecting, and try to identify where your unease might be coming from. Maybe it's on some level you just sense you're missing something. It may be that. And it may be a deep wisdom that's at work. And and that check you have, that check can save you from a terrible mistake. Or it could be you just know that so-and-so is going to hate what you tell them, and so you feel really uncomfortable about it. In that case, you need to push through. So if you don't have peace, maybe the best piece of advice I could give would be this. Wait until you either have a peace about it or until you know why you don't. You know, and you know where you stand. But, the, but overall of that, the best advice I can give is very simply to pray all in, asking God for wisdom, and to talk to other people you respect who can help guide you and to continue that until your path becomes clear. And then it's time to act. And that's tough. That's tough because anytime you act, anytime you make a decision, you risk failure. Maybe you've made the wrong decision. You never know for certain, not in this life. You have to step out in faith, and that's always a risky feeling. Not that God will let us down, but sometimes we make mistakes, and it's a risky feeling. Think about Abraham, the father of faith, what he had to do. It says in Hebrews that by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place where he had never been before, how's it read? I'm trying to do it from memory. A place he would later receive as as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. That last line is really important. God spoke to him. God called him. And there's an insecurity with leaving your homeland and your people. It it feels like that now when you pick up and move. Can you imagine what it was like in his day and all the dangers that he would face? And he's asked to go to a place he's never seen, and he didn't even know when he'd get there. God would say, okay, you're here. Stop. That's what he had to look forward to. He obeyed and went in faith. Folks, sometimes that's what we have to do. We have to obey and go forward by our best lights, knowing that we may meet unexpected challenges, knowing that we may, in some instances, make mistakes, but having the courage of faith to step out and do what we sense God would have us do. It isn't easy doing the right thing It isn't easy knowing what the right thing is. But when you come to the point where you think you know, it's important to do the right thing even when it feels risky. The reason we can do it is because we know God is with us. You remember what the psalmist says, Psalm 23? Though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil because what? Wait a minute, it's on the screen. Take that down. (laughs) What's it say next? I will fear no evil because you are with me. Then what? Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. So a rod, every shepherd carried a rod in his belt, and he walked with a staff. The rod he would pull out and use against enemies when they attacked the flock. The staff he would use to prod the sheep to get them where they needed to go. I don't imagine the sheep much like that. Shepherd prods them. They start bleeping and getting all worked up and upset. But they needed to go where the shepherd saw they needed to go. The sheep are dumb. They didn't know. They need to be prodded. And so the psalmist says, God's my shepherd. And he's got a club to deal with my enemies, (laughs) And he's got a staff to prod me when I need to be prodded. And you know what? I'm comforted by that, he says. That's a comfort to me, to know that God will fight my battles and God God will set me straight when I make mistakes. See, if I believe that, if I trust that, then I can have the courage to act Oh, listen, there are so many things. I think of family situations where they're complicated. We don't know what to do. And there are business decisions that have to be made, career decisions, complicated. We don't know what to do. There are relationships. We don't want to lose the relationship, but issues have been injected, and we just don't know how to handle it. We're willing to do the right thing, but we're not sure of the right thing. Well God does guide his people. He guides us through wisdom primarily. Just giving us wisdom. Pray. Pray all as one who's all in. Go to the scriptures and let the spirit speak to you and give you insight. But then talk to others and let them pray with you and give you counsel. But no at the end of the day it always feels risky. It always feels risky, but I can handle that. I can handle that if I know God is my shepherd and he'll club my enemies and he'll jab me whatever's necessary that I can do his will. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we're trusting you in our lives. There's so many things that we encounter. We don't know what to do, but we know that you are the good God who leads us in the way and we pray that you would lead us always in the path you have chosen for us. In Christ's name, amen.